All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of 15 Minutes with Dr. Northleaf. Today, we have a very special guest, Miss Courtney, and I'm very excited for you guys to get to talk to her because she has something very unique that we uh, haven't discussed before. She owns her own private practice. Oh, snap. I didn't know she talk about that. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. No problem. Um, Courtney and I went to grad school together. Um, we're in the same master's program, um, and I've kept in touch with her since we both graduated. Um, so start us off. Tell us um, what inspired you to start your own private practice, because that's a lot of work. It is. Thank you for acknowledging that. Um, the main thing was after working for or in an agency setting, like working with PHP, IOP, teens and adolescents, I realized just how much I want to be my own boss. I want to be able to make my own schedule. I want to be able to take off when I want to. Like, I just didn't want to feel like I had to ask somebody for the things that I know that I should easily get approved. Not that they were ever say no, um, but there was that un, like, unspoken rule, like feeling guilty for wanting to take off. Um, so that's the main reason why uh, it's always been a goal of mine since grad school to have a private practice. I just didn't think it would happen so soon after getting licensed. So that was kind of a shock. But so far, it's been going well. There's a lot of businessy things that I'm still learning, but it's going, it's going pretty well. That's awesome. And are you in person? Are you doing telehealth? Um, I'm completely telehealth right now, which is great because I can reach so many clients in the state of California. So I have clients way up north in San Diego, in LA as well. So it, I do get to have a wide range. I do miss in person um, because it is different. But right now, it's an expense that I don't have to have. So I'm good with telehealth as of now. Man, I got to say, you are, I did telehealth for about four months during the pandemic, and I was legitimately falling asleep. <laughs> really? I mean, sometimes, there have been a few times where I have just been doodling um, while people are talking because either I'm tired or what they're talking about is hard to pay attention to, if I'm being honest. Um, but for the most part, I've gotten used to being on a screen Um for hours in the day. So I think I'm more accustomed to it now. That's awesome. Um, well, now that you're accustomed, like when you reflect back on the process, what would you say was one of the largest barriers that you had to overcome in setting up your practice? Um, honestly, learning the logistics behind the different ways of going about it. So I started off as sole proprietorship, which basically is just, I, like it's just me. Um, if someone were to sue me, they would they could come after like me and my assets compared to like, the S corp or corporation. It's the business, it's the private practice that they could sue, not me. So just learning the difference between that, learning what it looks like to switch between the two because I'm now a corporation. I'm not just sole proprietorship. So having to do that paperwork, the taxes. That has been the hardest part because they don't teach that very well in school, <laughs> taxes and all of, all this stuff. Um, so that was the hardest part. And I'm still learning now, but it 
I thankfully had a friend, um, Lynn Covey. I don't know if you remember her. She was in my year. So she was kind of like a year ahead of me when it came to setting up private practice. So she was like, like my, my grace with learning what to do, learning what things to pay attention to, because she had already gone through it a year ahead of me. So I was able to kind of ask her a, a bunch of questions. And that's how I've kind of gotten to where I've gotten to now. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good point. They don't teach you um, the business side of things. Um, <laughs> a lot of our professors have private practices and are well-versed in how to set it up, how to run it, um, but it's not a course that's offered. So you kind of get out and you're like, well, what, what do I do? And I think right. discouraged and they end up going the agency route or working in a school or working somewhere where they don't have to uh, kind of take a chance on themselves because they don't they don't know what to do. Exactly. I did. I reflected about that a lot of times. It's like, why there's much money and I pay that type of guy. Why ain't tell me what's <laughs> the process? Uh, but no, I am grateful to be able to go through it on my own and make my own mistakes to then be able to learn from it. Um, it's definitely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's definitely challenged me as a professional and entrepreneur, which I didn't actually think of myself as an entrepreneur when I did this. <laughs> okay. Um, when you think of your practice, do you have a specific um maybe like group of disorders or population or anything that you specialize mm -hmm. or are you kind of like come one, come all, come all? Um, I, depression, anxiety, for sure. Like kind of, I don't, well, I'm not going to say that. Never mind. Depression, anxiety, yes. Um, relationship issues, kind of general stressors. I, after working it with PHP and IOP, I realized that I just don't want to continue working with high acuity clients. Um, I was so drained and yes, I love the clients, but I was like, I can't do this in private practice. So it's very much like lower acuity people that just kind of, um, like their first time in therapy, wanting to kind of fill it out. Um, I feel like anyone basically has anxiety to some level. So like I get a lot of clients like that and couples and that's kind of where I'm at and 18 and up. I do not want to work with teenagers, adolescents, or families anymore. So. That was my next question. Do you work with children? Um, and you answered it already. No, I sure do not. Um, I'm, the thing is, I'm good with working with teens. Um, I got that compliment a lot when I worked in the agency. It's just, I don't, honestly, I don't like the, the parent involvement sometimes because I feel like the parents can mess up the, what I'm working with with the teen and having to consult with them. I just don't like doing that. Um, so I was like, you know what? Take an extended break from that. An extended break forever? <laughs> Basically, but it sounds better when I just say extended break, so. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so let's get into it. You've given us... Ooh of uh information about what you do and how you started mm -hmm. um i'm wondering about the the nitty-gritty um when you think of setting up a private practice how do you get your first uh few clients good question so again i was talking about lynn Covey and how she went through a lot of the things and told me about it so she was really helpful with one referring clients 
and two, helping me get set up with um, different companies that I can bill insurance through them and I'm a part of their directory. And so that was honestly how I got like an influx of, of clients. There's Path Network and once I joined them and was credentialed on their insurance panels, they filled up my schedule like that. I opened up my books and they just put people and they're like, here you go. So I was very blessed to be able to get a full caseload honestly within the first week that I like was ready to start my private practice. So I would recommend that to start off. And now that I've been doing it for about almost two years now, um, I'm, I'm weaning off of insurance, but it's definitely a great safety net to start off with to get that um, clientele. Okay. So it sounds like you're suggesting like networking and like using um, some of your colleagues and stuff to help out is like a really beneficial thing for you and, um, that's another way to kind of learn the game, so to speak. Absolutely. And I've joined um, different Facebook groups for therapists. Um, I follow different Instagram accounts. I don't really get too much um, clients from Instagram, but the inventories that I'm a part of, like therapyforblackgirls.com, I've gotten a lot through there, Psychology Today, and then those insurance directories that I'm a part of. It, it, those four alone just very much sent me a lot of clients. Okay. All right. Um, so, you know, I know you mentioned therapy for black girls, like as a black therapist, how do you um, weave in or like utilize culture in your practice? So it comes naturally because most, if not all of my clients that are black, they specifically wanted a black therapist and after like after the consultation they're like yep i'm ready to talk to you because it's just natural um so i don't have to necessarily think about it but i do notice at some points when we're with some clients when we're talking about the workplace and how you know it's expected of them to work harder compared to other colleagues like that's when i'm able to uh, validate and they believe me like they understand that i understand and that just and that just builds our therapeutic rapport which makes them even more comfortable to then continue working with me so it just comes naturally honestly okay that's awesome yeah i think that you know we never really had classes together um because we were a year apart but i i always noticed just your personality and i feel like you have a very mm -hmm. welcoming um and validating you seem very like down to earth um so Thank i'm like translates with your clients as well and kind of helps you in, on the business side of things as well yeah it does i um you know as therapists we don't always get that feedback of like if clients like us or if they feel comfortable we don't always get that but i've been um i've gotten that feedback with clients uh, before and continue to so that's always like i'm like okay i'm doing something right like they feel comfortable with me they feel validated they they like that i am human and show my human side i very much i was talking about this with i think another i think another client actually we were just talking about how with therapy they very much tell us to be you know blank face don't show reactions don't do this don't do that and i've kind of very much gotten away with that because I've noticed that my clients appreciate when they tell me something and I've just make like a quick, like a hmm, interesting kind of face. And they're like, thank you. That's what I felt. I thought I was going crazy. And I was like, oh no, 
I should work on that. They're like, no, I love your facial expression. So it's been, <laughs> it's been very validating to know that I can show up being human. I don't have to always be like textbook therapist, if that makes sense. Right. No. And I, I think the, the authenticity that you're speaking toward is um, something that is very useful um, in both mm -hmm. of our settings. You know, like I know for me in the prison, they can sniff you out from a mile away. So the <laughs> textbook therapist that you think um, is the way to go, I think it's, it's really important. And I think for any um, subfield of psychology, whether it's a hospital or a private practice, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's really important to be yourselves because that makes our clients feel more um, invited, supported, um, and that we can actually help them. Right. I, I definitely feel that way. Or I noticed that with working with teenagers, me showing up authentically and being, as some of them called me, just like the fun auntie therapist and not just like the therapist that's gonna just drill in CBT. Um, I realized that it helped me to make a difference with them because I was very quick to be like, y'all need to chill. I know y'all got a lot of stuff going on, but you're working my nerves. And they appreciated me being honest with them. And then we actually could like do some work together. So I definitely noticed that with that population. Awesome. Awesome. Um, all right. So we got time for one more question. So I'm going to hit you with another hard one. Um, okay. If I came to you and said, hey, Courtney, I'm thinking about starting a private practice. What would you say is the most important piece of advice you would give me? Ooh, what a hard one. Um, I would definitely say to have patience and not to think that you have to know everything starting off. Like when that, if that comes to taxes, if that comes to marketing yourself, like you don't have to have it all figured out to start. But the fact that you're just ready to, starting with that, taking it step by step, and it'll it'll flourish. Okay. And did you say patience is in clients or patience is in like? Oh, patience as in like, uh, not clients. <laughs> okay. I was like, did she just tell me I need to secure business? Like that's her advice. Okay. All right. That's cool. Humble. Just everyone. Nobody wants to freaking work. Get up and work, <laughs> and everything will be fine. Okay. All right. So I have patience, um, a little flexibility and um, be okay with not knowing, which I think goes against um, not necessarily what we're taught, but goes against the vibe of graduate school in general. I think a lot of times it's very competitive and very, mm -hmm. um, you need to know this. You need to know this. When you get out there, you're by yourself. No one's here to help you. Like, come on, come on. Um, mm -hmm. But what you're speaking to is like, there's no way to know it all when you first start. Yeah, like in, the thing is, you can get so much information about what you need to do step by step, but it still might not go that way. So not to put so much pressure on it has to look like this or I have to do it this way and just allowing yourself to experience it so that you can learn rather than trying to just go about it textbook way. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for all of your insight and kind of walking us through your process with starting a successful business. I think that's something that can really um, benefit from. And um, I know myself, I've learned a lot just from talking with you in this 15 minutes. So I really- Oh, good, yay. <laughs> and we would love to have you back on the show for a part two where we can uh, ask you some more questions. So hopefully you're open to that in the future.
Yes, I would absolutely love that. Just tell me when and where. Perfect. All right, everyone. Well, thank you, Courtney, for coming on. And this was another episode of 15 Minutes with Dr. Norfleet. Uh, remember to comment and let us know what topics you want to hear about. <laughs>